Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode, a guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another, games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. My guest on today's episode is Lisi Kane. Uh, Lisi is a producer at League of Geeks uh, out in uh, Melbourne. We actually recorded the show over uh, a dateline, which was uh, very exciting. Um, she's also the, one of the co-founders of Girl Geek Academy. She's the only Australian on this year's Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, gaming section. And she's just a really good time. Like, we had a really fun, enjoyable chat. Uh, I was delighted to chat with, uh, with Lisi, I'm sure... You're going to enjoy it. Um, this will be actually the last episode for a little bit um, because it's Christmas next week. So, you know, we've all got things to do. Um, and I do have a couple of episodes in the can, but I want to wait until I've got kind of a, a little bit of a, a backlog uh, so that I can start releasing them out on a, a, a regular schedule. Um, you'll be fine. You know, you'll, you'll, be, you'll get through it. We'll get through it together. Um, that would be a brilliant time though if you like the show to uh, show your support you can do that by rating and reviewing it on iTunes or whatever service you use by through telling a friend on social media um, or if you really like it uh, by donating to the Patreon Uh, thankfully Patreon are kind of not going through with the changes that they were making thankfully because there was a a very justified backlash so yes I still have a Patreon which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints and all donations are very gratefully received go back into making the show as good as it possibly can be as always if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can you can email it's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpoints show on twitter or it's checkpoints podcast on facebook it's very important to have consistent branding um since this is going to be the the last episode of the year um I'm going to talk about my games of the year. I'm not going to talk about my games of the year. I mean, my games of the year are going to be the same as most other people's. You know, it's been Zelda, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Nier, Yakuza Zero, all brilliant. Um, One I think, you know, I'd I'd like to shine a light on that a lot of people kind of missed uh, was Nex Machina, uh, House Mark's latest. It's amazing. It's like, it's just like, you know, it's Eugene Jarvis and, and House Mark and it does all the brilliant robo robotron things and all the brilliant Mark things and they do them all brilliantly it's it's just amazing and you can play it in little bursts and stuff so you know you can play it with uh, with everyone um thanks so much everyone for listening to the show it's been uh, it's been a brilliant year you know the show turned 100 episodes old we've got tons of new listeners so um thanks so much for your support um it's it's massively appreciated all being well there will be some very exciting news slash events in january which i can't wait to share uh, unless it didn't happen in which case i'll just act like it never <laughs> happened um but until i see you again in 2018 have a wonderful christmas uh, enjoy spending time with friends and family and playing some gosh darn video games Uh, 
let's do a formal introduction then for oh, the sake. And just one thing: the uh, pronunciation of my name is yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It's Lisi. Lisi. I apologise. I should have checked that That's with okay. you. No, 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 no. It's 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 spelled. I blame my mum. It's spelled really bad. It's short for Alicia. If that helps. Oh, so cool. Alicia. Yeah, it's spelled really not the way it's it's actually pronounced. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. Yeah. Lisi Kane. That is cool. That's a cool name. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, well, we'll do a, a formal introduction then for the sake of, of ceremony. So, uh, Lisi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for coming on. If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Lisi Kane, and I am a producer at a studio here in Melbourne called League of Geeks. We've made a game called Armello, and I'm also the co-founder of an organization here called Girl Geek Academy. Uh, and you're also one of the Forbes 30 under 30 this year. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it yeah, it was a bit of a crazy year. It's it's good to kind of be wrapping up, but it's been an awesome year with uh, the Forbes listing. Um, and also my boss Trent was also Forbes last year, so we we like to say that we now have two Forbes listed people in the studio. <laughs> we were we were actually writing position descriptions for a job vacancy, and we're like. Could one of the perks be that you get to work <laughs> with two Forbes thirty out of thirty as a as a yeah as a joke? But uh, it's, yeah, uh, no, it's uh, been it's been cool. It's cool as well. Like I I, I guess it, like the Forbes thirty under thirty thing that that's something I didn't really know about. I don't think, and I don't know if it's a new thing or not, or if I've just become more kind yeah, of ingrained it, in the video game community. But I certainly yeah, didn't realize definitely. it was worldwide. So congrats on being mm -hmm. the only Aussie. Yeah, no, it's also, it's very, um, it's obviously very American centric. Um, and I think the games list has not been there forever. So it's obviously, I think it's only been there for a few years. So, um, this year I was the only Australian. So I think other than that, I think Alexander Bruce was in it one year as well. And I think maybe Andy Sum was in it one year as well, but yeah, it's pretty, it's very, very, very new. It's, um, the games list, especially. So it's been interesting to track it because every year you can kind of tell the trends of what's happening in games. Like this year, it's very, once again, it's a lot more esports Twitch centric. You can see there's obviously that's a, that's the new thing that's coming up. And Forbes as an organization is obviously very, um, more towards, uh, like prestige and yeah, absolutely. A, they, they have a very different, um, it's a very different angle to like the indie game lists, like develop and all that kind of stuff. But no, it's still, it's obviously very, very, very humbling to be um, involved in that list. And it's all voted by peers. So people from past lists oh, nominate you. Yeah. So it's, it's not curated necessarily by Forbes. It's actually curated by the gaming community, the game development and games industry community, which is cool. So like, I guess like aside from the, the satisfaction of being like, I'm, I'm cool. Like, is, is there any, <laughs> I don't know about that. Is it? Well, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, um, is there any any like do you get a, a trophy is there like is there a thing you get with it <laughs> i uh, i did get the opportunity to go to israel this year for forbes so that was actually what i was very very excited about so when they have the forbes list come out which comes out usually the early year or late the year before yeah. um they have a Forbes 30 under 30 conference. They have two of those conferences. One of them's in Israel, one of them's in Boston. And I go to Boston for PAX East, so I really wanted to go to Israel. I've never been there before. So I got the opportunity to go for that. Uh, so it's like a week-long event where they have workshops. Um, it's generally around entrepreneurship. So they teach a lot about um, how to sell yourself, how to grow your business, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they also do a lot of things showing off Israel. So they actually take you around, show you like the best food, show you the best like all, we got to go to the Dead Sea all that kind of stuff so that was to me that was 
really exciting. <laughs> that was really awesome. That sounds super fun. Um, I haven't spoken to any from Israel. That's a thought. That's, I should look into that. It's really, it's a very, very interesting place. So um, I also got the opportunity to go to Palestine as well. So getting to see um, what's happening in the startup culture over in Palestine, what's happening in Israel. Uh, but yeah, it's a very big uh, startup entrepreneur VC place. There's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff happening over in Israel and um, very innovative place, which is interesting. Good food, really, really good food as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, it's hard to it's hard to dis- disassociate it with the kind of the the history of the place and the kind of ongoing yeah. uh, conflicts and stuff. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels not that it unfairly overshadows it, but just that people are less aware necessarily of the the culture and and the food and the the people in both in both places it's kind of all just kind of overshadowed in a war um let's not talk about let's not talk about that though i could go on a whole podcast about that (laughs) but yeah definitely when you go to israel we'll we'll solve it this this in the next day we'll solve the whole thing i don't know why it's taken so long um (laughs) (laughs) okay um so, like, what uh, aside from from that, like, what are you currently working on? If you're like to talk about it, like, what is your kind of regular day to day stuff that you're up to? So we've got um, our mellows obviously kind of spiraled into this beast, uncontrollable beast that we weren't really aware of what it was going to look like. So Do I want to just the project- maybe just like say what that is, just so people don't yeah, know. Yeah. So Amelo is a uh, game on St- our main platform Steam at the moment. So it's uh, a digital card and board game. It's on Steam. It's on PlayStation, Xbox, and currently we're doing the iOS version. And it's it we released it. So I I joined the project just before we hit early access. So that was back in 2014. Now. 2014. So I, I came on, it was an early access, going into early access post Kickstarter. It was going to be released and ship the game, maybe do a couple of updates and then move on to the next project. That's how we kind of saw what was mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, but during that time, I think what we'd seen, especially with er- doing early access, doing regular updates and doing these content releases really had our community very excited by that. And the whole, the whole buzzword of games as a service started popping up and we just ended up just doing that, leaning into it and continuing to update the game and bringing people back, getting new players in. And so 2017, like three three years later, we're still working on our mellow. Every year it's like the running joke. We're like, yeah, we'll be working on a new project soon. <laughs> and it never happens because our mellow continues to be successful, which is obviously a good thing. Um, but we're, yeah, we're currently working on iOS. So we've done a soft launch in Australia and New Zealand and we're working towards the global launch and how that'll look. Cool. Because um, obviously we're not iOS developers. It's That's a completely different platform for us. So it's we have a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Uh, but it's, been, it's been really awesome to kind of explore that. But we are also working on another secret project, which we can't talk about quite yet, but it is exciting. We actually are working on it, which is good. We're, we're, not, <laughs> honest, we're not talking honest. about it. Yeah, we're actually working on it. Um, we've actually got people um, doing research and development, all that kind of stuff. So at the very, very early stages, so which is really exciting for me because I've, I've never really been um, on a project during pre-production. Yeah. It's more, I've always been kind of in towards the end or during during development. So um, it's really exciting and it's, yeah. yeah. It's always, I always find it interesting. Well, like I've had a, a couple of video game producers on the show purely, I guess, because like it's such a nebulous role. Like who have I had on? Like uh, Greg Rice from Double Fine was on the show and my friend Dan Kreitcher, he used to work at Buzz and he works on That's You now. I don't know what the company is called that makes That's You. 
um ben andak who is a producer on no man's sky and it seems like everyone has their own version of what that is i suppose so so yeah, from your point definitely. of view like what like what do you i don't know is there such a thing as a typical day there probably isn't is there it's it's really interesting because actually I've done a lot of this year for me has been a big year of understanding what a producer is. So a producer is obviously one of those roles that you don't necessarily study unless you do a project management course or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely more of a learned a learned skill and something that you kind of fall into. Um, so I actually last year I was very fortunate to receive a um, fellowship from Film Victoria, which is one of our government um, organizations here. They support this, the film, like TV okay. and games yeah. in Victoria, which is the state I live. And they gave um, every year they give out fellowships to five women in their careers in games um, to help them basically uh, accelerate their careers rapidly. Because obviously at the moment we have um, a problem with leadership in with women in games. We don't have enough women in that leadership roles. We have yeah. a lot of juniors through and mid level, but not the the senior level. Uh, so what it did is it actually enabled me to go around and I, I really wanted to understand what a producer is because obviously in indie it's very different like working in we were i think we we're about eight people or seven people when i started the team now we're 15 full-time plus contractors external um looking to have multiple projects we have like an art we have a proper art team now we used to never have an art team in-house so my role has kind of spiraled into this weird combination of things which every producer is different so i actually got to go um I spent a month at Media Molecule earlier in the year and then I spent uh, a month over at Obsidian as well working with their producers over both teams. So I chose those companies specifically because they were different sizes, different types of products, different uh, types of development as well, like first party versus third party. Absolutely, yeah. So it was really interesting to kind of see how other producers did it, like especially when you have bigger teams, when you have more money than us, um, figuring out how you can do things. And luckily for me, it seems it's very similar. Everyone's making the same mistakes, which okay, is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just I think with the bigger studios, they have definitely um, a lot more experience with yeah. their production team. So I'm still relatively new to being a producer. It's still not – I've only been doing it for really three years in comparison to some that have been doing it for 10, 15. Um, so, yeah, it's – a typical day is very, very different from studio to studio. But I think um, – I kind of sit across mainly the development side, so mainly um, the code team. That's generally code and QA. That's kind of where I sit. Uh, build stability for me is like where I kind of make sure things are going ahead, especially with the games as a service. We always have to make sure the build is nice and stable, making sure that people aren't getting, you know, having a bad time playing the game. Yeah. Um, as well as that, I do a lot of internal HR. <laughs> we don't have like a HR team. We kind of that's kind of something I've fallen into. I'm really passionate about um, studio culture and making sure the team's happy because happy people obviously mean that they they engage, they do good work, they work productively. So you that's seem to that, do that a lot of the outside of work as well. Like you'd mentioned, like yeah. various foundations <laughs> and things you set up. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you juggle all of those things? It's clearly something you have a passion for. Do they all kind of feed into one another? Definitely. Like it's, it's one of those things, like I'm very fortunate. Like, so Trent, um, Blake and Ty are the directors here at League of Geeks and they, um, they knew when they hired me that actually I was working on starting Girl Geek Academy when I started working at Log. So it's a very similar time frame, and they knew that was something I was really passionate about. And I, I think that definitely was a, re- a big reason that they wanted to bring me on board because I was one of the first females, um, to be brought onto the team. Uh, so 
I think they they basically enabled me to do all of this stuff. So it's very much my both of my roles, like running a company and also working at League of Geeks, they're very one and the same. Yeah. Um, like I always talk about both of them when I'm talking or when I'm I'm doing anything because I I learn everything about the industry from my day job and then I help facilitate and bring more women into the industry by what I do at Girl Geek. So I'm very lucky that my obviously Trent and Blake and Tyler support this so I can take time off. I can um if I need to take a call or run things during the day, I can do that. Yeah. I can yeah. Um but a lot of it is obviously done after hours. So it's generally like I had a big project we did um She Makes Games again this year. So mm-hmm. that was about a month ago now. So it's a big one day workshop where we teach and introduce women into the world of game making. And it's awesome. It's a really awesome event, but it takes a long time to, to organize that. So a yeah. um, lot of after hours work, a lot of like late nights, a lot of like basically just finishing work, going home and working on that. So, but I, I love it. That's it's like, it's totally what I like doing. It's actually now that I'm out of that, it's really weird going home and just being like, okay, cool. I guess I can just like hang out. <laughs> watch tv or something i don't know it's really weird um but, but i, I, I mean really it's like clearly it. something yeah. like you're you're super passionate about um and i'm interested mm-hmm. to see kind of uh wh- where this comes from so let's let's mm-hmm. meander back then uh Lisi. Mm-hmm. and if you can remember uh what was your very first experience of a video game i think my first experience of games is when i think my my dad had a like Honeywell laptop, like a really old, like one of those orange and black screened laptops. He bought it for work. So that my parents had their own business. So they had a lot of, they had to have computers and stuff at home. So they had one of those and they think they had Commander Keen on it. And that was the first time okay. I think I played the game. And I just, I was, I loved it. I really, I always, after that kind of stage, I loved technology from a very young age. I always loved playing with computers. I remember yeah, because my parents had their own business. I remember actually helping them like build spreadsheets and do that kind of stuff. Like as coming in, I think I was like 10 or something or 11, figuring <laughs> out how to use computer programs and really enjoying that. And then I kind of, I think we got our first computer around that age, like first proper PC. So I played a lot of like educational games because I thought that was fun at the time. You know, when you just make games out of stuff, even if it isn't a game. Oh God. Yeah. I was just thinking that when you were saying that, you know, you would do spreadsheets and stuff for your parents. Like when you're, (laughs) when you're 10, everything on a computer is brilliant. Like it doesn't matter what it is. You just play with anything. Yeah. I think I had like Encarta 95 and they had that, they had that, um, there was a mini game inside of it. I think there was like an educational, was it Encarta or was it? And Microsoft Creatures also had like the whole interactive education and I really like that kind of stuff. And then I think probably from there we used to – oh, that's right. Back in the day in that era we had – in Australia there was a chain called Video Easy and you could actually go and rent Video consoles. Easy, that's a good name. Video, like like Astara or anything like that. So you could yeah, actually go yeah. and rent consoles. And I remember we never owned a console till quite a long, like quite later, but we used to rent them every holiday. So every summer, you could rent a console and also like rent all the games. So it meant every new con- every summer we'd have a different console in the house. So we'd have like, I think I remember playing like Home Alone had a game at one stage. It did, yeah. On- the Super Nintendo oh. had Home Alone. Yeah. So- I always remember we had consoles in the house. I don't. It's funny because my dad, I think he played racing car games, but I. Like I vaguely remember him playing those games, but I never liked those games. I used to play like other bits and pieces. I got a Game Boy at one stage as well. 
And is it and just had, you? Like, do you have brothers and sisters or is this just I like... A, I have a younger sister. She's five years younger than me. So there was a, a time, I think, when I was quite young that I she didn't really play games because she was still, like, figuring yeah, out yeah. Her, her body and her hands and all that stuff. <laughs> so I was playing games alone. But I do remember we, when we got a PlayStation, we got a PlayStation 1 and we got, I think it was Driver. Yeah, Driver, the first Driver game. And we didn't really understand the game at the time. So we... <laughs> I remember we used to make little challenges out of it. We used to drive by the rules. Obviously, the game was to like out, like run, outrun the police and stuff. But we used yeah, to drive yeah. it like the road rules to like take turns in like figuring out how to because in- you could indicate. I remember that being a really cool thing. You could actually indicate. And so you're turn. basically both giving each other driving tests, yeah, virtual driving it really tests. Weird. It was really weird. And then we, I remember we used to like get the PlayStation magazine and then we'd just play all the demos. I, we've talked about this a lot at work around how the way we like digest games has changed so much from being a kid like i remember i used to play i only had like three games on my game game boy i had i think dr mario battletoads and i can't remember the other one but battletoads was incredibly difficult but i always and mario and one of the mario games mario world i think but i used to always play battletoads even though it was incredibly difficult because it was the only three games i had like you don't have another option exactly that's all you had playing them and playing them and playing them. You're like, I hate this game. I'm terrible at it. But like, for example, I don't play Dark Souls because I played it once, picked it up, it, I died, and then I was sad and didn't go back to it because I have another 50 million games to play. So <laughs> it's funny how like you kind of, as a kid, that's all you have, so that's what you play. Like we used to play demos because PlayStation, the PlayStation magazine always had those demos. So oh, you'd the have demo like, discs, yeah. They were, they, this has been a perennial topic on the show, the importance of demo discs. It was so fun. I used to play them, and like I never, I never asked my parents for the games. I just like, I'd like, I'd be totally content just playing the demo over and over again. But I think was I think this just Sims... all being rented though? Like, like yeah. I so was there never so. that kind of like as lovely as the the an idea is is like oh it's it's Christmas holiday let's get a console for two weeks or whatever yeah. that's amazing. But oh, I'd be so painful at the end of it to have it snatched away again. Yeah, I don't think we really. I think I don't think I really looked at it like that. I just kind of like I figured out. Because I liked reading a lot, so I figured summer was for games, and then I'd go back to reading books and stuff during school time. I didn't really think about. I, I actually only started thinking about it, like in the last, like since working in games and on my history of playing games. And I didn't like that was just kind of normal. I wonder if that's normal. maybe more healthy. Yeah. <laughs> just in life, yeah. as, as a tip, I shouldn't really say that on a video game podcast, yeah. but maybe it would. Be. <laughs> Well, even like as a, having a PlayStation, when we had the PlayStation, we didn't even seem to play it that much. And it was a lot of, it was always playing with my sister. And I think growing up, we were a lot more, because we were, grew up in Australia, we have, we, we grew up in this kind of area that had a lot of um, bush area. So we used to go cycling, biking, and I loved bugs. I absolutely loved bugs as a kid. So I was always in like the ponds playing with bugs and catching bugs. So I think it wasn't necessarily a priority for me at that stage. I always loved games and I always loved playing with computers, but it wasn't necessarily just the primary thing that I had. I didn't really, um, that wasn't something that I always did. Does your and bug that, fascination translate to a love of Pokemon? Um, funnily enough, I never really got into the Pokemon series. <laughs> well, you've got real life Pokemon, so yeah, why would you? I don't, know, I don't know why. It's one of those games that kind of, kind of missed me I got I remember I tried to get into it and my best friend who I um we've played a lot of games with over the years and we started hanging out because of games and she loved it and I just I actually fell asleep playing it once I just didn't get it I just I don't know why I just well, never got into it talk about that then talk about this like because I'm, I'm always keen to hear kind of stories of people 
kind of bonding over games and certainly for me that was a big part of me finding my fan group in school and stuff so was that true for you as well then you, you you'd bond with people over video games um, I actually was really into music in high school. I was really into like, like punk and hardcore and emo music and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah. music was something for me that was really big. So I was generally friends with a lot of the music people. Um, and also I went to an all girls high school in Brisbane. So I'm from Brisbane in Queensland, which is a small city. Um, all girls, obviously video games weren't necessarily the hot topic at that time. Um, it was more about, uh, obviously we, we did a lot of music, so that was what generally we talked yeah. about, but they talk about boys and all that kind of stuff, but I still played games. I didn't really talk about games at school. I, um, my neighbor actually, my neighbor was the reason I kept like a lot of the influences of my games throughout high school were because of my next door neighbor. She played, um, she played the Sims. We both got the Sims when it first came out. We're really, I remember being really excited about that. It was like. <laughs> It was $100 or something too, so I don't even know how I bought that. I must have got my parents to – beg my parents to buy it. But I remember that being a very important day. Um, so we used to play The Sims. We used to play like cats and dogs. Oh, yeah, I remember cats and dogs. I remember we had um. They were basically websites. just screensavers though. Yeah. <laughs> they were, no, they were awesome. No, they you, were awesome. You could, You're right. Sorry. You could, customize, you could customize them. It was all about the weird breeding and the modding and making like <laughs> cats with long legs and weird big paws. That's something that we really liked. So we made fan sites and stuff, websites for them. So games were outside of high school for me for a yeah. long time. And then um, Age of Empires 2, I think it was. Age of Empires 2 came out. And one of the girls that I was friends with, we used to listen to music, like go to, go to band, see bands and stuff like that. And she was playing Age of Empires as well. And I was like, oh, you play games. But she only really played like one or two games. But we could play online. So we one summer, we didn't know each other, but we had each other on MSN. So we started playing online. That's um, like the think- least cool game I could have thought of. You know, for like, <laughs> oh, we, I just, we play games kind of outside of school. But then I did yeah. meet this, this one girl and we really bonded over hardcore music. And we both loved Age of Empires. Age of Empires. It was, yeah, it's so, I mean, it's like, a brilliant it so game. Big. I don't mean that. It's yeah. just, that's not the, you know, I'm thinking, I know. oh, it was, it was Wipeout or like Tony Hawk's or something. Yeah, no, Age of I know. Empires it was, it, it's because we had both had computers and we both could play online. And that was games for me are a huge part of my life still now and that was like the first time I had that experience of like being able to play we had I think I played oh this is really embarrassing and I I'm, I realized this after working on our mellow I used to play I not really play I used to be on a game called Furcadia which was an online um it's kind of like second life but it's more um you have like first owners you have like these furry characters and i i'm i don't identify as a fairy and obviously imello has a huge fairy community which we love but i was like thinking about it, i'm like oh this is very much a, a pre imello research like understanding of the community and um so that was something i interacted oh, cool. with first that was my online game that i played but then age of empires 2 was like the second game that i played with and we played all summer and it was awesome and then we kind of like from there became like best friends after that um That's but yeah so nice. that was it was another summer this is a big big summer of playing games is just like you should be outside but it was half and half for me definitely half indoors half half playing um games and half being outside catching bugs so so when did you kind (laughs) of start um kind of thinking about maybe this is something you could do like were you you said you were quite into sort of technical stuff so since you had a pc like were you kind of aware of like a, a modding community or just you know how games worked and stuff 
Not at all. Like that stuff complete. I completely miss that stuff. Like I, I always say how like it didn't, it didn't really take till Mass Effect came out that I realized you could make games. No way. I, no, it's, I was I was behind in that regards. Like I loved games as a thing. I loved building websites. I built a lot of websites. Um, I loved tinkering around with that kind of stuff. I never got into modding except for in Cats. <laughs> but I never, I never really got into the modding community. Um, I think I was more I was more interested in just playing the games and um, websites for me. I got really into blogging, like really into like live journal and that kind of stuff. So I think that's where building websites came from. Um, but then, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know games were being made by people. I didn't really understand that whole concept for a, a long time. Like I. So what did you do then when you went to like university and stuff? Assuming that you you did. I I finished high school and I I actually wanted to be a musician. That's kind of where I wanted to like focus everything. I like on I your own, or were you in a band or? Bands for like a while, um, up until like I moved to Melbourne, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I kind of finished high school and didn't know what I wanted to do. It's it's weird. I think I hate saying it's a Brisbane thing, but it's one of those things when you you grow up in a smaller city, you kind of feel like there's an expectation. You go and just do a typical business degree and finish that and yeah. work in an office somewhere. That's kind of like I think I didn't really want that, but I knew I had to kind of follow that path, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do yet. So I just went to study some boring business degree for like a year and then I hated it, so I quit. And then I just ended up working. I ended up working for like a big bank here in Australia. I worked for them for like eight years. <laughs> So it's a it's a really weird path to get into games, but I just worked there because money was good. I liked being paid. I wanted to travel, so I went there for ages. And then did that kind um, of did, did just to try and kind of path it a bit? I guess like did, did were games a part of your life then as much, or did you drift away from them? Or? Always playing games. Like I I moved out of home pretty much as soon as I finished high school. Got an Xbox 360 a little bit after that. I remember like always playing. We had a Wii. Like I always had consoles. I always I got a laptop. I think I didn't get to gaming on my laptop for quite a while after that. I think it was a little little bit after that. But I always was playing games. Games are always on the peripheral of my life. Like I've always I don't think there's probably only like maybe six months where I didn't have a console, maybe. But generally, I always had games. To but just like as a, a fun thing that you know, play with friends, play whatever, play on your own, just a, a fun thing that you do. And definitely, like my my friendship circle was very much oriented towards games, and then I had my music friends as well. So I had those two kind of circles of people, and then I, because um, I I loved being creative. Obviously, I was a musician. I loved music. What did you play, so, by the way? I played. Um, I play electric violin. I play keyboard. keyboard electric guitar. violin. I wasn't expecting that. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I played in a, a sad, like, post-hardcore band for a long time. Like, it was. It was. It was good. It was a really good creative outlet. And I, got I do a lot think, of, like, the, the, yeah. the, I've spoken to a lot of um, developers, and particularly indie developers, who like bands were were formative, um, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. in terms of. Um, you know showing them more of the world and expanding their sort of creative mm-hmm. endeavors but just uh as a kind of as a prep for indie development like being in a band is pretty close like you know disparate oh yeah small group of people Definitely. everyone's doing it themselves um like that whole kind of and that feeling yeah. of being a gang as well which is just one of the best things about being in a band and kind of we're all in this together um it's, it's def- so interesting it's definitely very similar and it's this whole like you have to really love doing it like absolutely there's no 
no way that you're going to cram in a van and drive around Australia with these people if you don't love what you're doing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much. It was so much fun though. I really really enjoyed it. We got to travel around Australia a lot. We drove around and just played terrible gigs, some good gigs, some bad gigs, and it was it was really really fun. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, and I thought that maybe I should pursue that. I was thinking maybe of getting into music therapy was actually something I was interested in at one stage. Oh, cool. I was like maybe I'll do that. So I ended up um, starting a film, TV, and music degree. I was like, like an arts degree. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll go do something more creative. And I love, I love movies. I love TV. I love film. I like, I like a lot of creative stuff. So I thought, creativity. That's what I'm going to do. Screw this business stuff. I'm going to go do that. Um, but I also hated that as well. That wasn't for me. It was really dry. The course was very boring. It was very very theoretical there was no I really kind of figured out quickly that I liked practical things yeah, and that's I guess why, yeah, why I loved playing music because you get together in a room you figure out how to make write a song you write it and you practice it all that kind of stuff I really make websites as well it's really it's yeah. fast you know you have an idea and you it's, do it it's, and there it's it is so funny like if I really thought about it more as a teenager I probably could have figured out that I wanted to make games but I just I just didn't and I and I I don't not like that because I think being able to work in a job that I didn't necessarily love but learn a lot of stuff from, I think that was really important for Absolutely, me to be a producer. Yeah. Like I, I worked in a corporate team. I ended up being an executive assistant for like a big software department, software development department. So I did that for like three years towards my end of my life at, at this bank. So I, I learned so much from Just like from practical stuff, like office stuff and organizing and scheduling and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, I don't regret that at all. Like I think it was really, really important. I think I wouldn't have been able to understand games or appreciate making games as much if I'd done it straight out of high school or done it during high school. Um, I don't think I would have been able to, yeah, get to the point that I am now. So, so I think, yeah, if I didn't figure that out, I would be, yeah, nowhere near as passionate about it as well because I was kind of like, I realized it so much later than I thought I should have. So I was like, oh my God, now that I know, I have to do everything I can to be in the industry. Like I felt like I was a lot older than most, like I was a lot older than the most of the students in their first year of uni. So to backtrack that, yeah, I went, I quit my film degree, hated that. And then I saw, I was like back to the drawing board. Let's look at curriculums. Let's look at uh, universities in Brisbane. And I saw that there was a game design course. So I was at Brisbane. I don't know how long the course had been going for. I think it was pretty new, but it was at a place called QUT. So it's their Queensland University of Technology. It's like a more progressive school uh, university. It's very um, technical oriented, very hands-on. Um, so I saw that game design course and I was like, holy shit, you can study game design. <laughs> That's when the kind of penny dropped. So that, that was literally the first time you kind of, it even the thought had crossed yeah. your mind. It's funny because I, I remember getting stuff like PlayStation Magazine as a kid, like I was saying, but I don't think I ever read the interviews. Like I, I don't think I ever interacted with looking at developers and understanding what developers did. I think I went straight to the disc, maybe read the reviews and then chuck the rest out. <laughs> like I don't think I interacted with it that way because I just – the idea of a game developer didn't really – sink in i assumed especially in australia i assumed everything was being made overseas i assumed everything was being made in america and canada and i think that's probably why i didn't really think about it i was like there's no way i can do that and that's i guess on a caveat like on the side note that's probably why i'm really passionate about diversity and introducing people is just because i had no idea like i obviously 
I could have done research myself, but I just wasn't exposed to the idea of this this whole game development world. And I, I mean, to be fair, there, yeah. there's like Australia seems to be doing like incredible things now um, in the kind of indie sphere and stuff. Like when you saw this court, did you apply for it straight away, or did you think I need to go and prep for this and figure it out, or was it like a proper light bulb moment? It was a proper light bulb moment. Like I, um, I still was really un, un, not confident. I still, I was still quite nervous about doing a game design course because I, you know, I, I, I had in my mind for some reason I had it in my mind that I couldn't be a programmer, even though I obviously spent a lot of time um, building websites and all this kind of stuff. I just didn't really. I was really, really apprehensive, and it was obviously as soon as I enrolled and went to the course, it was once again kind of doubled because I was one of the only, I was one of two women in the whole year. Oh man. And I was like, I was like freaking out. I was like, Oh God, like what am I doing? So I, I was really nervous about it, but it was, I think because I was older, it really helped me because I was like, I kind of got over that really quickly. I was yeah. like, cause I, cause I realized all the, the other, the, the guys, most of the guys that were in the course, they were like 18, 19 year old boys. And I was like, Oh, okay. No, it's fine. I can deal with this. <laughs> I can manage this. If I was younger, if I'd gone straight out of high school and gone into this course, I don't know if I could have got through it. Maybe I would have been a bit more nervous about it. But it was still really, still really overwhelming because I still did not understand what games, like how games were made. Yeah. Um, it was still quite, quite new to me. But the course, like I, I did the course. I we also had PAX Australia was was announced when I was in my my last year of university. So we had PAX, um, one of the first overseas paxes to come to Australia in Melbourne and I went down to that and that's kind of that was like luckily for me it was my last year of university and I really helped me figure out that that's exactly the industry that I wanted to work in because we had uh, a bunch of folk from Bioware come out to talk about Mass Effect and obviously like I was saying before I loved loved the Mass Effect series and they talked very candidly about development talked about design and I was just like holy shit this is amazing like this is these people these people here are making the games that I've spent poured hours and hours and hours and hours and hours into like these are human people I can I can see them they're <laughs> they're just like you know they're just this is their job this is something that they get to do it's crazy important career. like i mean yeah. i think that things are much different now but like i mean i've only been doing this show just over two years i guess and one of the reasons i was doing it is like purely for that reason to kind of mm. often like a lot of the human stories behind games are just as interesting but they're not they're not talked about in the same way that you know you talk about movie directors or, or musicians or mm -hmm. anything even though it's a relatively similar process in terms of creativity yeah that's so that's so right because like when people do like the big uh the big press tour for movies like you'll have you know the all the directors talking about the process and stuff and that's why like we we do a lot of streaming here at log at league of geeks yeah and a big reason we did that is because uh we were like hey people should see our faces and ask us questions Absolutely. and be very like these candid discussions we're obviously like our, our team is very full of a lot of extroverts so we obviously love being on camera and all that kind of stuff and being <laughs> silly but it's it's a way of us to be especially with um people like trent getting trent in front of the camera and getting him to play games it's really hard for a, a player to be like your game sucks this game sucks you guys are lazy like this is terrible it's really hard for them to say that when they're looking at you exactly. and they're like oh that's a, that's a human person that made that game with with feelings and you know a mortgage and you know 15, <laughs> 15 people to pay every week Absolutely. or every fortnight like it's really it's a lot harder for them to do that um and i think that's something that we all try and do here at log is actually 
demystify the game development process. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, like everyone, like that. That's kind of what I was saying with the like. I started this like just over two years ago, but just in the past two years, even there's so many places that that do that. You know, it's it's much more commonplace now, and I think a big part of that is just is is the the kind of the resurgence of indie because it's mm-hmm. it's both an amazing piece of inspiration for people because it's so broad but mm. uh, also it's probably really useful as well for the studios themselves just to you know mm. have this identifying personality of the people who make the games yeah like i think like blizzard do it really well i think blizzard's yeah, probably they're one of the amazing we watch a lot of what they do and um, kind of take a lot of inspiration from from what they do. And obviously, we kind of just wing it a lot of the time, as you have to do in an indie studio. But it's it's good. I think it's I think it's really helpful. And like we do a lot of public speaking at events, so we talk in panels and talk at like um, packs and all that kind of stuff. And and that's a lot because we're also a growing company. So we want to meet people and we want to meet people that potentially we could work with. We want to meet people um, that would want to play our game, that would want to talk to us or help help mentor them as well so exactly, it's a lot of stuff yeah. that we do outside of our day-to-day job so yeah it's really um, all that stuff's super important so so when you do this this game design degree then is there are there any kind of games that stand out for you either that you were playing while learning or that you kind of retrospectively <laughs> looked back on and were like oh my god this game is amazing because of all the new kind of things that you were learning well, one of the best things, I think one of the big moments for me, so I, um, one of the best things about the degree I did, and that's the reason I went to the university, is they did, um, they had an exchange program. So you could actually go to one of their universities overseas, like a, like a organization they partnered with and study over there for a semester. Cool. So, and for some reason, no one really did that. I don't know why. I think because they're quite young, they weren't really ready to do it. And so I was really excited. I was like, hell yeah, let's, let's do this. So I went and did um, a semester of a game design course in upstate New York. So I went overseas for yeah a semester and then studied there. And they taught they taught games very differently. It was really hands on. That's why I wanted to do it. Like one of the classes we did, one of the assignments was to make our own D and D campaigns. And I never I never played D and D before. Cool. And it was they taught that um, and in a way to kind of explain game design in a really really basic level and not have computers, just do it all very much pen and paper. And so that was really exciting. But because of that class. We actually had a day at the end of the session, the lecturer was like, hey, so tomorrow uh, World of Warcraft Cataclysm's coming out. So I'm giving everyone the day off because I want you to play it. I want you to, I know everyone's going to not come in anyway. So I'm just going to take the class the day off, play it and we'll discuss it in our next class. And I went and spoke to him afterwards. I was like, I've never played WoW. I never wanted to play WoW. I knew, I I kind of had steered clear from that whole franchise because I was studying and I'm like, I've never played before. He's like, well... We're going to be talking about it, so you should probably play it. <laughs> That's amazing. So, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so, You've been given World which, of Warcraft for homework. Do you know how many kids <laughs> would have died for that opportunity? <laughs> it was hilarious. And he, he was such a good teacher. Like he, he really understood how to motivate the students and like how to make them you know, be engaged with games. And I really, I really liked that. So that's, I played WoW because of my uni degree. So <laughs> that was a moment where I was like, okay, cool. And I, I loved it. I obviously really, really liked it. It fits with my, my brain and how it Absolutely, works and how I yeah. want to collect things and that kind of stuff. So that was a moment I was like, okay, I guess let's do this. I was in like a different country. I was kind of like, I had a few friends, but I wasn't necessarily like, I didn't have a big support network. So I just played WoW for like eight hours. I think. <laughs> and it was so good. It was such a like awesome moment 
Um, and so I was really excited when all the whole vanilla server thing was announced because I've never really got to – Cataclysm was the first expansion pack that I got to play, so I haven't really experienced the proper WoW life. Um, oh, man, that's But, yeah, so it was cool. good. That was a really good moment for me in <laughs> <laughs> um, Are there, like – do you have, like, aside from WoW, I guess, like, are there games that, that you've played, like, during your life that stand out as being, like – inspirational in the sense that oh my god i want to make this or i want to make people feel like this or i think um i i'll obviously go back to the mass effect series a lot because i think that was the first game i played that told like told story differently like i'd played a lot of strategy games and i'd played a lot of like sim games but i'd never really engaged with a big story i think that was the first game that i really was like oh wow this is huge this is a massive um massive narrative kind of experience i think i think that was the first game i played that had that okay um and i think what else was there i think gone home came out and i that kind of that really affected me in a, in a way that i was really didn't understand i was like oh this is this is different again this is another style of willing way, way to tell stories um um, unfortunately for me as well dota has been a big part of my life um and that was actually because of not necessarily playing Dota, but I actually watched the documentary when it came out, uh, the free-to-play doco. I don't know if you've seen it, but it came out. I think I've seen now. a bit of it. I, I've, I've, like, I think I would love Dota, uh, which is maybe one uh, of the reasons why I don't play it so much. But and I have tried <laughs> watching streams, but it's, it's. I mean, it's. Uh, this is this is not an original point, but it's. If you don't know it, it's so impenetrable. Like, I feel like you need to put in the hours to really get the most out of it. Dota was super a big part. (laughs) I hate that I'm saying Dota was a big part of my life because I, after I finished university in Brisbane, I actually moved to to Melbourne pretty much straight away because um, in Australia at the moment and back then as well, um, most of the games industry is in Melbourne in Australia. So 50% of the games industry is here in Melbourne. So I knew I had to leave home. I knew I had to like, I didn't, I didn't want to stay in Brisbane anyway, but I didn't know if I was going to move overseas or yeah. um, stay in Australia. So I moved to Melbourne. So obviously left all my friendship groups behind, except for like one or two people that were living in Melbourne. And a big way that I could stay in contact with them was playing games. So I, I looked at Dota, I play, I watched the documentary, was super inspired by the documentary, which was weird, like watching the story because it was about, um, it was watching uh, like people like Dendi and Fear and like talking about their stories and how they got into playing Dota. So okay. this documentary, so I'm going to, I'm going to try playing it. I hated it for the first probably like 50 hours, but after that, I see, <laughs> I know, like 50 hours, like yeah. just no, I know. had a bad time, but then my friends were playing with me, so we we're always on like Skype together, talking and playing. So it kind of like it was really nice to have that that feeling of being able to come home and and play games with people. Because I didn't get a job in the games industry straight away. It took me about it took about six months or eight months to get a job here at Log. So I was kind of like not miserable, but I wasn't necessarily happy. Yeah, but yeah. I was just kind of like just playing games as a way to kind of stay in touch with my friends back home. So Dota was like a big part of that which is really funny to say That's that. That's so good. Yeah. No, 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 it's totally true. Like, I, I remember <laughs> when I first moved to, to Glasgow, um, which was 12, 13 years ago now, um, like, I, I I knew my girlfriend who lived in Glasgow, but other than that, I had I knew nobody. And I just finished university, so it was a very odd place. I didn't have a job or anything. And I would, I didn't have, this was kind of pre-Xbox 360 and stuff, <laughs> so there was nothing like that. But the best I had was on the DS you could play uh, Super Mario Kart over Wi-Fi. And this, is, this is such a sad story, but I used to go to 
like my girlfriend would, was working in bars and I would go to a different bar anywhere that had Wi-Fi on a Friday night, a busy Friday night, and just sit in the corner with my DS playing Super Mario Kart with uh, friends like all around the world. And it was brilliant. Like, it was brilliant. It's a bit of a tragic image, but it's uh, it was a, like, I, I totally get what you mean, though. It's just that way of kind of keeping yeah. in touch with people and continuing having a social uh a social yep, connection definitely. even without the the physical closeness um, and then it spirals into an addiction so yeah <laughs> well we're gonna we address are. that just now actually because <laughs> i'm gonna uh, take a quick aside to do some relatively quick fire questions so mm-hmm. uh lizzie if you uh lisi apologies if you had to play a game with death for your own mortal soul uh what game are you best at dota <laughs> I am pretty good at. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I can do it. I can do it. I can really one v quick one backtracking. That's like was it the sep- that that movie? It's Seventh, Seventh Seal. Seal. Yes. Yeah, all Bill and Ted's Burgers Journey, depending on your side. Side note, fun fact: that was the name of my high school band. Was the Seventh, Seventh Seal. Seal. Oh, cool. We, we thought we were very cool. We thought we watched that that movie and we we're like, we're gonna. This is cool. This is this is emo. This is this is good. No, I, I don't think I've ever. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that before, other than outside of high school. <laughs> it's very lame. <laughs> That's not that, like I'm. Were you super metal? If I go and see a band called The Seventh Seal, I imagine it to be really metal. Met? What does that mean? Metal, what? metal, metal. Oh, metal. Oh, no, no, no. We all like a three-piece all-girl. Like we did like dashboard confessional covers and oh, like. <laughs> That's so good. Like. Yeah, sad girl rock, basically. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's the best genre. Um, okay, well, on on a similar note, then, um, mm-hmm. are you a particularly uh, competitive video games player? Have you ever been locked in fierce high school rivalries? Oh, I've never really been into like high school that kind of stuff. I'm not really about that, but I I definitely, obviously, Dota is a team based game, so a lot of like. I think we had a two-hour video, like two-hour game the other night. Like that's that's yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty gross. It's very very bad. <laughs> I, I think this might be a, a three for three for the opening salvo of quick fire <laughs> questions. But um, if has there ever been a game that's kind of taken over to your life to the point where you're like, I need to, I should uninstall this. Yeah, don't, definitely. Yeah, I did. Un- I, I did uninstall it at one stage because it was like <laughs> it was pretty bad. I think we were. Cr- you can tell on Dota buff it tracks there's a website called dota buff and you can track your activity and you can see exactly where we shipped our mellow because i didn't play it for like a month or two months (laughs) um but yeah (laughs) that's quite cool so you can track like how your life is going depending on how much how much dota there is or isn't and then there'll be like there'll be like five losses in a row and then you say i stopped playing for a month (laughs) because i've had those losses yeah (laughs) that's a story in statistics um (laughs) has there ever been uh like do you have a game that's kind of like your your chicken soup game or you know the game that you would go to for comfort oh that's a really good question i like that question a lot you know what i I do like that was actually funnily enough that was inspired that wasn't one of the original quickfire questions um it was brendan kyo who's an australian academic i'm sure you're familiar with him yeah um, he he was the first one that mentioned that question, and I said on that episode, I'm going to use that in every episode from now on. At the moment, at the moment, my chicken soup um, game would be Stardew Valley on Switch because because Dota is so rough and like obviously all consuming. Like I've, as soon as I finish that, if I'm going to bed or if I feel kind of like down, I'll just play Stardew. It's so good. It's it's so good. 
Yeah. And especially on Switch, like it's it's like I, I repurchased it on Switch. I didn't know that I would love the Switch as much as I, I'm loving it at the I moment. Know. But it's, I wish I wish it was it wasn't the case because everyone <laughs> keeps telling me I need to get one. Oh, you don't have one yet. I don't oh, have one. No, I've, I've literally I'm just playing. I'm I'm so far behind. I just got a, a friend of mine actually loaned me his Wii U about a month ago purely so I could play Zelda. Um, oh, but now there's like good. every game that comes out on the Switch is amazing. So I feel like I'll have to get one at some point. It's really, really good. But definitely, yeah, definitely Stardew Valley at the moment. It's it's good. It's it's got an, it's got really soothing music. I sometimes listen to the soundtrack as well. It's really nice. Do you know? Funnily enough, I've I've got a bit of a a weird thing with the soundtrack. Similar to uh, did you ever play Minecraft on like the Xbox 360 or I guess any console? Very um, very limited amount of. Maybe of it's the same game. on the PC. I don't know, but. Um, there's something about the music and it's similar in stardew valley that it's just it's a little bit too melancholy for me it kind of makes oh. me a little bit sad yeah i get that yep totally i totally get that it is a little bit it is definitely a little bit like wistful. But it is wistful. also very comforting yes um <laughs> well let's go completely to the other end of the spectrum and uh, if you are prone to such things lisi what is your worst rage quit oh i think oh you know what this is, I did Alt F4 in a game the other day. Hot take, Destiny 2, so boring. Such a oh, boring come game. On. I I pl- I'm playing I'm trying to get through the story. I'm trying to get through the to level up to get to the point where I don't feel so behind playing mul- like online multiplayer stuff. But like I I died and I just was like I don't want to play this again. It's the quest <laughs> the quest stuff is really boring to me and I just went alt F4. I was like this sucks. I don't like I, I haven't gone back. I alt F4 and haven't gone back. It wasn't so much a rage, it was like a exhaustion. I was like I don't want to have <laughs> fatigue fatigue quit. It's just I just didn't get into. I was really, I really was. In, I was really excited about it too. Did you play the first one? I did. I played it on PlayStation, and I really liked it. And I just, I don't know, it's something about just getting through the single player stuff, all the, the just this quest stuff. I just, I yeah, can't no, do I it. get that. Like I was quite. I played a lot of the first one, and I got quite into the second one. But I just kind of, I did finish it, and I got to the max level or whatever it was at the time, and then just I've had no real desire to go back. But I think it's because partly, like, I, I would play Destiny similar to the way you were talking about playing Dota in that it's it's a, it's like golf for geeks, you know? It's just a way of catching up while shooting some aliens or whatever. Um, so funny. I, I've spoken about Dota. Someone said to me, Dota 2 is like the golf, um, yeah, is golf for the indie developers. It's like the, you know, when the whole... So you make deals you over a Dota game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And not everyone does it. It's very much a specific type of person that plays Dota. And like, yeah, it's definitely, it's the whole Dota 2 elite crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. I'm sure there's a brilliant story there somewhere of some amazing deal that was done after a rage quit in Dota or something or a, a spirited yeah. win with a, an indie developer and then the big developer said, right, I'll give you the money. Anyway. There's, um there's a guy called Chris Floyd who's been he used to run it he kind of I've been trying to get him to bring it back but there's a organization called the recreational and it's a, a like a, a dota crew of like indie developers that play games together like kind of semi pro games together and it's called the recreational it's like a big tournament but they stopped it and I'm like please bring it back I want to I want to play I want to win with all the I want to win <laughs> <laughs> um well so given the kind of the the range of uh, emotions that video games are able to convey. I think one of the rarest is uh, laughter. So, Lisi, what games have really made you laugh? 
Jackbox Party Pack. That game is like I know it's 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 obviously curated by the players, but it's very 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 good and probably inside. Oh really? Obviously, I no spoilers, but there was definitely I laughed a lot in that game. <laughs> I can, I, no, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like oh. unexpected yeah. kind of. It's uh, too, every, if you haven't played it by now, you should have played it by now. Um, but yeah, Jackbox Party Pack. I actually spoke to the devs for that team, and I was like, I was like asking them about comedy because comedy in games is yeah super super difficult. But like that game is very very fun. It's an in joke generator, is what it is. Yeah, and that's why it's so good. Love it. Um, cool. I feel like I've misstated one of my quick-fire questions, and I'm sure someone is going to call me up on it, but I cannot for the life of me remember it, so I'm going to just continue <laughs> on. Um, so I guess, like, since getting into to development and across your various roles... Actually, no, let's talk about the kind of the, the sort of Girls Make Games and stuff, the various things you set up. Did that happen before you started working in games? Yeah, so it did. So Girl Geek Academy kind Girl of Geek formed... Academy, sorry. Was- yeah, I, I moved, like I said, I moved to Melbourne and I didn't get a job straight away in the games industry. I kind of moved here to kind of start networking and figuring out the lay of the land. And I um, started going to, I was more in the tech scene before that, before I started working in games. So I, I got a job at a startup here and I had a bunch of friends um, that had moved from Brisbane or Sydney and lived here. And she was running, her name Tammy, it was Tammy, and it was Tammy, and she uh, was going to run a hackathon, uh, all all female hackathon, and I didn't know what a hackathon was at that stage, because um, I'd only really started understanding the whole startup culture and and all that kind of stuff and yeah. tech culture. So she was going to run that, and so I attended it um, the first year that she ran it, and it was awesome. I met a bunch of awesome women. I we built a little you know a little product over a weekend, and that was excellent. And then after that, she said, let's keep doing this. She's like, I, w- I want to keep doing this. Uh, I think I think we have something here. And I think it would be a good way um, for people to obviously get introduced to technology and us to kind of grow this business. So she got five women together. So myself and our four other co-founders, kind of Sailor Moon style. We all had different <laughs> specialities. Brought us together. And she said, okay, cool. We're starting a business together. It's going to be Girl Geek Academy. And we're going to start running events. And I was like, "Hey, I don't have, I don't work in, I don't work in my industry yet. I don't work in tech. I don't work. Oh, sorry, I don't work in games." She's like, "That's fine. You understand the games industry, and you'll obviously, we we believe in you. You'll get a job. It'll be okay." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So that's kind of how it formed. We just kind of it happened. Tammy just got us together, and we started running more events. So we did uh, she hacks. Um, we did she makes shortly after, which is like a three D printing and um, making. Uh, workshop so we do yeah. things like 3d printing um, versions of yourself um, making light up sneakers building um, building like wearables and all that kind of stuff so that's really awesome and that's run by one of our other co-founders april and yeah and then that kind of spiraled and we kept running those and then shortly after i got my job in the games industry and that's when um i started running she makes games shortly after that so yeah it's been and we've got so many more events now than workshops that we're running so we've got things like miss makes code where we're teaching teachers a curriculum on how to um, introduce young girls cool. into make programming so we've made um we've got our own little proprietary um teaching course and we've made a thing called the miss makes bot and it's a little felt robot that you can program it's a raspberry pi board um and 
you can program it. It can be as complex as like just making lights turn on and off, or you can have things like a theremin where it's got a sensor on it and makes different sounds and you can, um, there's a heat sensor and all that kind of stuff. So so much fun. Yeah. So we're actually teaching the teachers at the moment as a way of kind of expanding that and getting it bigger and bigger. Um, because as much as we'd love to teach every young girl this course, it's a bit harder to do that. So we're teaching teachers. Um, and then we're also continuing to do our other programs as well. So she makes, she makes games and she hacks. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Like this is potentially a really stupid question. So apologies (laughs) if, if it comes across as stupid or, or impossibly naive, but like, is there any difference or is there is there a, a, a different approach if you're teaching things like coding or making games to to women or is it purely the fact that it's creating a, a kind of more nurturing environment that's not as intimidating as being the only girl in the class of 40? Yeah, it's really interesting. So we one one like anecdote is we went to um, a high school recently um, and they were seeing in grade eight when they when IT is compulsory, all the students do it and the girls are the best performing. And then in grade nine, when you have to choose a subject, when you have to actually choose to opt into IT, none of the girls enroll, like very, very few girls enroll. And it's and it was actually down, we actually looked into it and it was down to the fact that all the curriculum, um, all of the posters, because they have a career day type thing, any of the documentation, even the teachers are all men, all the photos are all boys doing IT. Um, so if, you, if you're a young girl, like in your in high school, especially high school is a hard time. Obviously yeah, absolutely. Um, if you can't see yourself doing it, then it's hard to kind of believe that you can do it. So that's kind of like I was saying before, like I didn't know that I could make games in high school because I didn't really see it. It's not necessarily because I didn't want to do it. It's because I just didn't know it was an option. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's just being yeah. creating these kind of role models and, and authority exactly, figures, yeah. as you were saying. Yeah. Um, so the programs that we run aren't necessarily we, – we can run these programs for boys as, as well as girls, but it's actually just providing um, uh, the, the marketing tools and the showing – basically showcasing – um, young girls and women doing these things and actually bringing them in, inviting them to do it rather than just saying, this is a program, this is for everyone, actually inviting them specifically in um, so that they know they can do it. So Absolutely. even as adults, even as adult women, so we obviously run events for women, introducing them into tech. Even as women now in 2017, there are women that think they can't make games. And there are obviously men that think they can't make games as well. But obviously our focus is to introduce women because yeah. at the moment we still have only 15% women in the games industry. And the the age-old argument is, but they just don't want to work in games. That's not true. It's just they haven't necessarily been shown it as a career path. Yeah, it's there's, there's no role models. It's yeah. not an obvious path exactly. like, like that's presented to people. Exactly right. Like you just like when you look at um, when you look at all the CEOs of game companies, when you look at interviews, they're all men. Like there's maybe one or two. Like I have. I've done quite. I've I've worked very hard to try and get a lot of uh, female yeah. guests on the show. <laughs> like we have. Like you've had Siobhan. Siobhan is one of my one, one of my mentors. She's, she's incredible. She's like. I mean, I got I got to work with her at Media Molecule. Absolute. Absolute. I actually messaged her the other day. Just reminding her how awesome she is because she's amazing. <laughs> and there's people like Robin Hunnicky that are doing awesome things as well. There are amazing women, but there there aren't as many as men. So it's hard to kind of see. Even even still now, it's hard to kind of for me to go like talking to um, other organisations. Being the only woman in the room still a lot of the time. It's you know it's obviously I've built that confidence from 
I kind of have to like I've I've definitely put myself out there and and again like this may be stretching the metaphor a bit but it goes back to the 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 indie band thing like that is Mm -hmm. as well extraordinarily male dominated like I was in bands for years and I know that but my girlfriend was in a like an all girl like riot girl band as well and yes the stories (laughs) that we would share back and forth like it's very clearly a very different um atmosphere definitely and it's still like that in the in the in the music scene. Like, absolutely, there's an amazing yeah. uh, all girl band here in Melbourne called Camp Cope. I's absolutely absolutely amazing band. If you like uh, kind of punk rock stuff, you'd probably really like them. And they just released a song about being an all girl band and how hard it is still, and how or they're basically quoting things they've been told by you know managers and by venue owners saying that they can't be the headliner because they're not they're an all-girl band and people won't come see them and all that kind of stuff like it still happens it's still very much like it's not it's not solved this problem isn't a solved problem yet and yeah and it's one of those things too it's like people are like oh you know women don't want to make games let them just do that well unfortunately that does mean that we won't be able to have new and different exciting games if we have more people making games we have more awesome games to play. So as, as a consumer, as a consumer as well as a creator, I want to see weird games. I love weird games. Like I love all these new and exciting things that are coming out by diverse teams from all over the world, men and women alike. So yeah. Cool. That is that's a wonderful message. Um, just to kind of close up then, I guess like over the past sort of few years, like since you've been working across various fields, like are there any games that kind of particularly stand out to you, like from recent memory? as being particularly Ooh. inspirational or, you know, moving you in some way or another. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned Gone Home before. That was definitely a game that I was like, oh, this is this is why we need more diverse games as games like this. Um I was a bit sad because um this uh oh my god, my brain has just gone blank. Uh lo- uh <laughs> I can't remember the name of the game. Uh similar vein too young Stra- uh, not strike keep me saying life is strange thing. life is strange that game made me motion sick for some reason and i was oh, really no. sad because i wanted to play it and it made me motion sick i don't know why i get motion sickness sometimes but that game also is something that i really wanted to play but i didn't get to really experience it unfortunately um what other games i don't know I'm trying to think just unfortunately all the way down. just dota <laughs> i know it's actually really it's actually really really bad that sometimes that's the only game that i play but um I think uh, Thumper came out. When did that come out? Last year? No, it came out at the start of this year. Uh, this th- year, that was that I was an exciting game was. for me. Oh, it's yeah, amazing! Was- I spoke to Mark different. actually. Was Mark was on the show yeah. when that came out because I was so excited about it. Yeah, exactly, and that was something really different. And because I I loved um, Res when it was on Xbox 360, and it reminded me of that game. And I was like, oh my god, this is so exciting! It's something very different. I haven't bought it on. It was on Switch. I, wanted to I think it is coming out on Switch, yeah. Yeah, but um, I wanted to rebuy on there. But yeah, that's probably another game that I was like, this is really cool. This is something really, really different and exciting and weird. And I really like Are you that. a fan of, like, being someone who is obviously um, has a passion for music as well, like, are you a fan of rhythm action games, like, outside of, like, Rez and Thumper? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I used to like a lot of those games. What was the one that was on DS? It was a Japanese game. There was a really good the game on DS. Beat Brothers. No, yeah, Rhythm Heaven. Really, 
Yeah, something like that. That was really awesome. With the frogs and, there was and the a... little mini games and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so <laughs> and good. And there, there was one on an iPad as well at one stage that I really liked. Um, obviously, the Guitar Hero series was – and I, didn't, I never got into the later Rock Band series, but those oh, games were really, really fun too. I absolutely love them. Fun. I think I've played a game more than I've played Rock Band. Um, <laughs> like this, this is a perennial thing. On the, like, I love Rock Band with all my heart. It taught me how to play <laughs> yeah. the drums. Like, that's how oh, much – yeah, I love oh rock band. God. That's so cool. I love those stories. Like I actually listened to um this is bad. There's a there's a hip hop artist called Post Malone. He's kind of big at the moment and he yeah, was no, talking I know Post about Malone. Yeah, he was talking about how he got into music was from playing um Guitar Hero. Cuz he was like playing Guitar Hero and he's like I could do this and so he taught himself how to play guitar and that's how he kind of got into making music. And I was like that's cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the I like that he, that he owned that. He was like I learned it from a video game. Like that's how I got into it. um so are you i mean you seem very excited and you're still like relatively not relative i don't know why i said relatively you're still very young (laughs) i've just i've completely put my foot in it there i didn't mean that you're still on the forbes under 30 so therefore you are very young um, i'm not jaded yet i'm not 100 percent jaded it's it's definitely hard it's definitely hard working in the games industry working in an industry that you a game like in things that you love and then still being able to appreciate games and still being able to like, cause we live and breathe games. We hang out with people in the industry all the time. You know, it's, it is really difficult. There is definitely, um, exhaustion with that kind of stuff, but it is, it's awesome. It's like, I, I love my job. I'm super, super fortunate to be able to like hang out. Like I know I'll walk out of this room now and just go and talk about the latest things that we're working on. Like look at the cool stuff that the team are doing. Like it is pretty, it is pretty, really pretty ridiculous but um also getting to like help future game makers as well so we have work experience programs at work so i've got we've got a grade 10 student here this week and another one next week so and getting to see how crazy smart these kids are too it's actually terrifying it's horrifying to see (laughs) how smart they are and um as games are becoming created this monster and now you can't stop it you've educated too many young minds (laughs) and they're coming for you I know it's good. It's really good. That's I get the best. excited to see what they do. Um, well, that was super fun. I feel like we've covered pretty much everything. But if there's anything that hasn't come up that you wanted to mention, please oh. go ahead. Um, and if not, just I guess let people know where they can find your video games and stuff. If you'd like people to find you online, don't find me online. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we did. I think we. Uh, I think my story is pretty all over the shop but i got to talk about all things and say stuff that Nobody's i probably isn't. haven't really yeah <laughs> yeah you don't go i finished high school and i started making games and my game was successful that's like i don't think that's a story that really exists and they probably wouldn't yeah. make that that you know their games probably wouldn't be that interesting you, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you need to have a bit of a story to make interesting things yeah. um but yeah i'm on twitter that's where i live that's where most games people live so twitter.com slash Lisey K, L-I-S-Y-K. Um, Amelo is amelo.com. So definitely check it out. I think, yeah, if you like if you like um, strategy games, if you like board games, I think you'd really enjoy it. And yeah, and girlgeekacademy.com if you, you're in Australia. Uh, we run a lot of events all over Australia at the moment. We haven't quite figured out how to get overseas as of yet. It's, it's another, so far away. It's, a, it's really hard. Like we, we tried running events in America. We had one of our co-founders living there, but it was really difficult. The scene is very different over there at the moment um and their approach to <laughs> feminism is very very different <laughs> so uh we kind of left that and gave up on that for now but hopefully one day we'll figure out how to do more events we'd love to be able to run these things all over the world 
share that kind of stuff. But yeah, unfortunately, it's really hard. <laughs> but you're doing wonderful things, Lisey. So um, continue doing those things. That was that was good. I really enjoyed that. Was that okay for you? Was that fun? Yeah, really fun. It was really, really awesome. It's a good way to start the day. Cool.